0: All right, we're going to wait for them to stop yelling. And if you hear that yelling from, you know, here on out, that's just our roommates. It's football Sunday. We got football on in the back. But this is the Ahead of the Count podcast. I'm Mitchell Stockwell. Welcome to the first official episode. Um, before I introduce my guest, I would just like to introduce my uh, roommates and partners, you know, in the podcast. Andrew and CJ, say what's up. Hey, I'm CJ.
1: I'm Andrew. Um, we're here just filming this podcast NFL Sunday Nick Sunday Nickelodeon Sunday yes this has been in the works for some time now
0: um you know I'm really excited to get into it before I introduce my guest um I'd just like to say a few things about him we've been really good friends since high school I met him uh you know playing travel baseball both of our both him and I were pitchers um after we graduated from high school, we went on two completely different routes, and he comes to visit us uh, in college. Um, his name's Blake Lubiere. He's a per- professional minor league baseball player. Or What would you like to call yourself?
2: I think I'm going to go with a professional student-athlete for this podcast. I feel like that's going to be really appropriate for what we talk about. So,
0: Yeah, I like that. I like that in- intro, too. All right, so Blake Lubier, the professional student-athlete. Um, let's get into it so let's uh hear your story
2: so uh again name's blake lubierre most people most of my friends call me luby
0: yeah we were thinking about calling this the luby cast yeah that's perfect
2: so, feel, yeah like your name is luby mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah pretty much. i feel like great goes great with my personality too because it's just kind of i don't know i feel like blake, blake isn't blake isn't really suitable but anyway so name's blake lubierre luby again um i am a Right-handed pitcher for the Boston Red Sox. I was drafted in 2019. It was 13th round pick. Uh, I played baseball at Oviedo High School. Graduated from there. Um, I was originally committed to go to Columbia for baseball. And then my senior year, I decommitted and committed to Wake Forest, which we'll get into later. I'm sure there'll be plenty of storytelling, but just going to get the uh, basics out of the way first. Um, Committed to Wake Forest, then got drafted by the Red Sox, and I've been playing uh, professionally ever since. Um, up in Tallahassee right now, visiting my friends. Uh, off-season time, watching football, just hanging out, having a great conversation. Um,
0: yeah, so as I said earlier, Blake and I, we met playing travel baseball.
2: Yeah. You should get, get into exactly, you know, how we met, what the team was, that type of thing. Yes,
0: yeah, so it was the Orlando Scorpions, yeah. and... Shout out. Uh, yeah, we were both... Um, pitcher only. So, you know, we wouldn't see each other a lot, yeah. but throughout the summer, you know, we would always kind of um, meet up with each other at games or whatever and just have some really, really good conversations as far as, you know, life and everything like that in those dugouts. So, you know, us being here is kind of a byproduct of that.
2: Actually, I have a good story to say about, you know, first meeting Mitchell is uh, when I first met all the people on that Scorpions team, I wanted to make sure i didn't forget what position that they played because i thought that was really important so in my phone mitchell's name is mitchell po to make sure that i knew when i first when i first met him that i knew that he was a pitcher because i thought it'd be important you know to make sure that i knew what position my friends were and stuff so it's still mitchell P-O? it's actually still is mitchell po wow you guys can see that right there mitchell wow. po been it's that cool. ever since
0: and, you know, rightfully so. Mine probably for, should still say that way. Mine for him has been Luby this entire time. Yeah, exactly. Only Luby. Yeah. It's never changed. So, I'll yeah, agree. it's it's been a few years. And, yep. you know, we kind of understood that we were on two completely different paths, but yep. that never really kind of, you know, made it different or whatever. We've yep. always been really, really good friends. We've yep. been in contact. But, you know, I really appreciate you being on our first episode. Yep. I think that. We couldn't really kick it off with anybody better than Libby. Yeah. So
2: I think that Ahead in the Count is a great name for a podcast, by the way. I, I don't know if we've talked about that yet, but I'm curious as to where that came from because I have some of my own thoughts of where it came from, but I'm not 100% sure. So I'd like to maybe start that off with you guys about how you came up with the idea since, you know, it's the first one. Maybe the world should know how you came up with the, the name as well.
0: Um, So. It's a reference to baseball, yeah, yeah, obviously. Of course, of course. So we've we all had some sort of experience in baseball. And then, you know, we have a lot of friends that play baseball as well. And as a pitcher, ahead of the count is kind of like a, you know, you always got to be ahead of the game. You got to be ahead of the count. You're better
2: than the – You're in that situation, you are in a better position than the hitter. In which case, you're better than what, you know, might, might be possible in terms of being behind the count if you're a pitcher.
0: Exactly. And the – I guess concluding question that we have with everybody. So we're gonna come back to this later in the conversation okay. and sorry if, if I got to no, something no, no. you wanna talk about later. That's perfectly fine I because just be, the intro would be great. No, exactly. this is perfect because you know, this is you asking where, you know, we all got it and yeah. everybody else wants to know that too. Yeah. So it's 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 a perfect segue. Yeah. But um so, you know taking that mentality to life of being ahead of the count is kind of a good question for people that are our age but are just ahead of everybody or they're doing something to make them above average they stand out in a group correct so you know i think that we're very blessed to have friends that are doing cool things um you being one of them you know you're you're ahead of the count yeah you're pretty far ahead of the count one one could say
2: say, what would you say the count is in my life what do you think i'm
0: um, I'm looking at 0-2. 0-2. 0-2.
2: 0-2. For those of you that don't know baseball, I would assume that most people that tune in would. It consider. means I'm down bad. Yeah.
0: It means, that, it, it means that you're way ahead.
2: It means that the hitter is completely behind. They have two strikes on them and anything could be coming. Exactly. Anything could come. The pitcher is in complete control. They can do whatever they want. They kind of can mess up a couple times, you know? Kind of if you want to think about it metaphorically. Calculated
1: risk. The reason why I love this question so much is because, yeah, it's a baseball question, but all all like the responses can be derived and like used exactly. in just like, real-life situations. It really just means that you're in a better position to succeed.
2: Exactly. I think it's all about success.
1: It's cool because there's a lot of
0: different perspectives with that, and as we go on through this podcast, um, I like to get a lot of different answers. So, you know, I guess going through this, kind of think about what you want to say.
2: Yeah. I feel like the more people you have on that, you know, are ahead in the count, they're going to be able to give more different insights depending on the direction that people or the viewers are or the listeners are going on. You know, somebody who is on a path with sports would probably, you know, benefit more from something like this. Whereas, you know, if you have on somebody who is musically talented, you know, ahead in the count that way, which is obviously completely possible, you know this metaphor of being ahead in the count just kind of stands to that is, you know, you walk into a job interview, are you ahead of those around you? Are you, are you O and two? Are you one and two? Are you two and two? Are you three and zero? Are you way behind? I feel like that's kind of what it comes down to in all of uh, this, you know, the goal is to, you know, get a high paying job. And most, most college students I would say, you know, come out of this with a, with a job that they can, you know, live their life off of. And I think it just kind of determines if you get that job of, you know, how far ahead in the count are you, you know?
0: The big thing with being ahead of the count, too, that I want to kind of take away from people like you is, you're doing something to kind of follow your dream. You know, you are pursuing a passion that you've well, you're pursuing something that you've wanted to pursue for a very, very long time. You know, I mean, how how long has it been for you?
2: I think baseball started for me when I was around four or five. T-ball, I think that starts for most people about four or five years old. You get into it. I was uh just moving over to. Oviedo, when i first started playing baseball and uh i actually was supposed to play ovito babe ruth and my mom messed up and accidentally signed me up for little league so i played an extra year at t-ball so there was a year where i had a little bit of a confidence boost you know as a five-year old <laughs> not that it mattered but you know and then i stuck with ovito um all through young uh baseball career and then went to Oviedo high school and as i said in my uh Precursor to everything was that I was originally committed to Columbia and then another school, and then, you know, the Red Sox. So that's not very typical. I don't know. Probably most people that listen to this won't be familiar with recruiting in terms of baseball in high school, but, you know, maybe you are. But I was committed to Columbia as a junior. I was kind of focused on more of school. Uh, I was looking at places that would be beneficial to me in terms of getting a job after college. Baseball was just going to kind of be the way to get into a school, maybe pay for it a little bit. Um, just wanted to find a place that would benefit me on an academic level and a professional level that also would at the same time be able to play baseball and have some fun. So Columbia seemed like that that answer. I actually went for the first time. Um, I was coming home from Cooperstown, which if you played baseball growing up, you know is the place you go when you're 12 so my brother was was uh was getting done with that and we took a stop at columbia stopped in saw the school loved it loved the city vibe i always bring it up when i talk about columbia because that's a huge decision in terms of itself of i'm gonna decide to live in new york city you know so as i said i was committed there then my senior year um this is where the story gets gets good especially with mitchell because we have a common friend um Starting the year, first game of the season against, uh, against another kid who I will shout out, of course, because he's a Florida State Seminole. His name is Bryce Hubbard. He's a uh, pitcher from Windermere High School.
0: Shout out Bryce Hubbard. Shout out. That's the boy.
2: Yeah, very, very, very good pitcher. Hope to see big things from him this year at Florida
0: State we will see big don't, things I was from
2: him saying, I don't, don't, don't even need to say hope i already know he will
0: yeah we will we'll see we'll see big things from him and also,
2: maybe I like see the pitching the staff too the whole podcast whole pitching staff. maybe eventually i feel like that would i be mean this really is like thing. the second
1: time we've shouted bryce hubbard out on the podcast so Absolutely. i think it kind of yeah, actually like, happened yeah.
0: so yeah. we've done some practice recording if you're listening to this you would have only heard the first shout out but the second shout out is in another one with another one of my buddies. It's kind of a practice run, but we really like the episode. So yeah. that's gonna be like, you know, two or three or whatever. But <laughs> look out for that. Bryce, if you're listening to this, hit me up, dude. Let's uh let's get that podcast. But anyway, going back to your story, let's
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so me and so Bryce is pitching and uh it's the first game of the season and Bryce is a huge uh prospect in, in high school. So he's got tons of MLB teams there to watch him. He's already committed to Florida State at the time, big ACC school, um, probably looking at the draft. So he, he, he's pitching in the first game, and uh, I'm, I was starting on the home team, so I head out there first. And, uh, you know, I'm a big kid, 6'5", six, 6'6". Six, six. Nobody can see me right now except these three, so I'm going to go. Yeah,
0: let's uh, hear, like, you know, your, your, your kind of stat line, you know?
2: Yeah. Tick, te- I would say right now I'm 6'6", six, six, 210.
0: What about, like, season weight, though?
2: Back then, I was probably six five one ninety. So, you've
0: – well, I'm saying, like, okay, going into this next season, oh, what
2: – Oh, the goal, the goal. Yeah, what's The, the, the goal? goal is is six five two fifteen of muscle.
0: You're going to lose an inch?
2: <laughs> well, <laughs> sometimes sometimes I give myself the inch. Sometimes I don't. It's just I maybe don't really have it, but sometimes on my baseball – You're guy, always wearing spikes, though. Like, you're point. six 6'7", if good. any. Good point. Yeah. All right. So, we'll call it 6'6". So I go out there, big kid, six, six, six we'll call it 6'6", six, six. walk out of there. Obviously, you get some attention being a big kid. You know, they haven't seen you, but, you know, being a 6'6 six, six kid on the pitcher's mound tends to get some attention. So the, the scouts looked up, and they saw me throwing, and they liked what they saw, so they put their guns up. And coming into this game, I was probably around 88 to 89 miles an hour in terms of fastball velocity, which, as a senior, is good. It's probably respectable for a... Ivy League school definitely better than most I would say in terms of Ivy League school but um that was the fastest and uh, I come out there first inning and I'm and I'm 92 94 you know which is something that is is a huge deal as a pitcher to see velo jumps over a long period of time because it I mean it's a it's a real easy indicator of hard work and and determination in terms of in terms of arm care and you know arm strength so that was really nice to see but uh, yeah. So the first inning I come out and throw, you know, hard. I didn't know it at the time. I'm letting you know this now at the time. I'm just kind of throwing. I see the scouts there holding their, their cameras up. I'm a little bit confused. You know, I've never, never had anything like this before happen. And, uh, I get off the mound and I'm, and I pitched the first three innings. I, I just kind of ignored it. Cause it was a big game. First game of the season, really good team. We were playing Windermere. Um, Bryce was pitching amazing too. Shout out to him in that game. I'm pretty sure he kept the scoreless for three. Um, but then it started raining. So we both had to sit down for an hour and we both couldn't come out there. So we both had to end up, you know, pitching three innings. That was it. But I ended up learning after that, that rain delay that I was, you know, throwing as hard as I was. And my dad came up to me and he was like overjoyed. And I was just kind of like, oh man, like this guy's really pumped up about something. And he's like, Blake, like this is about to change a lot. Your life is going to be really different from here on now in terms of baseball. And I was like, like, what are you talking about? He's like, dude, you hit 94, I was like, oh my god, amazing, and, uh, and he's like, he's like, <laughs> and he's like, he's like, yeah, dude, it's gonna, it's gonna create a lot of opportunity for you, like, just make sure you're taking a stride, and it was a really big experience, a really big change from then on out, I had to really mature to, you know, talk to all these guys that are MLB scouts, you know, it's, it's different than talking to, you know, your buddies, you got to really show professionalism with them, and I mean, they're all great, great guys, but it's obviously very nerve wracking to have them come to games. And so I ended up, I ended up, uh, playing the whole season, uh, pitched, I pitched pretty good. I pitched, I wasn't, I wasn't, uh, wouldn't say it was the best season ever, but I definitely had successes at times. And, uh, Red Sox were extremely interested team. Um, I pitched, I want to say the district championship game or district semifinals and they came and watched and I, I had a good game and the next day at school. They they called me and they're like, hey, we're having a uh, draft showcase up in Georgia. Would you uh, mind coming to it? And uh, it was just kind of at a like inconvenient time. I think I was, I was supposed to throw in a game like a couple of days before or something. And I relayed that information to them, and they're like, all right, well, we really want to get you up there to so we can put our eyes on you. Would you mind coming up to Fenway to throw? And oh, I forgot to precursor this with I'm a huge Red Sox fan. Grew up die hard families from uh from South Portland, Maine. Shout out South Portland. Um which is a big Red Sox town because they have a minor league team there. Also just being in the Northeast is a big Red Sox. So again, grew up a Red Sox fan, so they call me and they're like, "Hey, you know, you want to throw at Fenway." Obviously, I uh, I said yes to that. That was the easiest yes. That was the the easiest yes of you know, decisions that were ne- needing to be made uh in that past. But um which we'll get to later, but um. Yeah. So I uh I, I went up to Fenway and and got on the mound and and uh, honestly have thought about it a lot how that day went considering it's kind of a blur. Um, pitching on that mound was unbelievable. Probably one of the most epic days of my life. But I look back on it and I've realized how nervous I should have been. How important that day was to me. But at the time, I think I was so starstruck by the field itself and what was going on that i just kind of forgot to be nervous and thank god i did because apparently that was the whole reason i got drafted just because of how i threw that day people felt like i had a lot of control and they were uh they were really happy so uh the draft rolled around a couple weeks later uh ended up getting drafted in the 13th round by the Sox. um was committed, decommitted from Columbia, committed to Wake Forest University, um, which great, great program for pitchers. They have an amazing pitching lab there. Uh, looking forward to, was looking forward to going to school there. Um, month went by of, of talking with the Red Sox, uh, organizing a, a contract. Um, I ended up getting an agent to help me out uh, with all of that and uh, ended up signing July 2019. I've been with the Red Sox ever since. Um, Obviously this year was a little strange due to COVID, so I uh, I've only played one year. I played my first year in rookie ball in Fort Myers. And now I'm excited for this upcoming year. I'm going to try to make it to uh to our A ball team in Salem, Virginia. So that's the that's the plan for this year.
0: Yeah, going kind of off that, we you introduce yourself as a professional student athlete. Oh, yeah. A lot of people don't under, like a lot of people don't get that you can do school in the minor leagues. Mm-hmm. There is that option if it's Presented to you, and with your commitment to like a an Ivy League school and everything like that, it kind of brought you an opportunity that a lot of people aren't going to be very familiar with. So just kind of go into what it's like going to school as a professional athlete. Yeah.
2: really important for me. Obviously, when I decided to go to Columbia was because of school, and didn't want to lose that. You know that that drive when I signed. So um, the Red Sox opened up a, a, opportunity for me to uh, take classes at Northeastern University, which is a school actually very very close to Fenway Park in Boston it's, uh it's only a couple minutes up the street it's a it's a city school really nice um I take online classes through them they have a uh deal with MLB and makes it super easy to sign up so it was no hassle for them and the Red Sox uh will pay for classes uh on top of the, the signing bonus in terms of uh Paying for tuition, paying for books, because uh, obviously that would be something that would be beneficial to both them and I being educated, you know, can only only benefit. So that could be another option if uh, baseball, you know, works out or doesn't kind of kind of want to do the sustainability law, whether or not baseball happens or not. I feel like it's just kind of a personal endeavor that I'm going to put myself into and just, you know, try to work for it. But yeah, so the professional student athlete, very possible if you have the uh determination work ethic work
0: and it's cool to hear that you can do both and that the MLB actually you know wants that you know
2: really really nice of them to uh to set up that program because I feel like a lot of guys who are in minor league baseball I mean I don't know if you know the percentages but it's like one percent of minor league baseball players will make a professional debut so it's very hard to make it in the MLB and uh There's obviously a lot of minor league baseball players that don't, so giving them an opportunity like this to benefit them for the long run is absolutely huge. And would advise anybody who is thinking about doing it to do it, um, any minor league baseball player listening to this podcast, definitely suggest taking classes in your free time. I know you can do it. I know that you have the time. I have the time.
0: How much time do you have right now? You have a lot of time, right?
2: Thankfully, yes, that is the, see, that's, that's why I, I don't understand when kids will come to me and be like, oh, you know, how do you have time for school? You're a professional baseball player. I mean, you really have a lot of time in the off season, (laughs) whether or not you want to admit it or not, and you want to just sit there and and do nothing. But I'm somebody who, who kind of feels like all their time needs to be spent on something productive. And I think I kind of live my life that way of being a productive person. So when I'm sitting around not doing anything, I kind of feel a little bit anxious and need to feel like I need to get out there and do something. So for me, I feel like school just kind of keeps me in check in that way and feel like it's really beneficial for for me to, you know, keep me on a guided path, you know, a uh, a steady a steady road, uh not, you know, goofing off and doing things I shouldn't be. As I've gotten through this this first real off-season, even though I didn't have a real season this year, kind of realized that I have a lot more free time than maybe I previously thought I was going to have and on top of the school and the baseball training I just feel like recently I've come to take up more of that free time with more you know not just sitting around playing video games and whatnot because this free time is gonna be some of the only time that I have during the year to do what I want to do because during a baseball season especially minor leagues it's kind of a a struggle for 5 months straight of being busy traveling um minor league baseball is a a hassle sometimes in terms of of traveling because you get buses and you got long road trips and you're done playing at 12 and you're you're bussing until 6 the next morning to wake up and play the next day so that's going to be that time of the year that that season is going to be a time where I probably don't have you know the ability to do the things that I can do during this off season and this off season, I've really tried to take advantage of that. Where uh, I went on vacation, went to places that I've never seen before. I uh, went hiking. You know, just really started to take advantage of my time in a better way than I think I previously have. Do you consider baseball like a job? Yeah. So that's kind of it's kind of a, a thought that I started to have here too recently. Uh, just I think this is a great question to have for all athletes because. You know it isn't a job until it is you know as, as weird as that may sound it, it's it's something you do for fun and it's something you do to do with your buddies and and hang out and high school baseball as cj and mitch can you didn't play baseball right andrew
1: i played baseball i played baseball t-ball yeah. same as you yeah. um i played all the way up through high school i played in high school okay um n- not all four years though yeah <clears throat> so but yeah T ball? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's when I started. T ball. Oh, no, because you okay. was talking about T ball earlier. I did bring up T ball. T ball
2: is when that when baseball becomes the the way that you obtain, you know, wealth and it puts a lot more pressure on you and it makes the game seem a little a little uh, a little less enjoyable than it used to be. But thankfully that thought went away pretty fast for me, cause that 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 actually happens to a lot of minor league baseball players. They get there and they feel that way, and it kind of puts them in a bad spot. But yeah, it's pretty fun playing professionally, and you know, playing in high school. And I'm I'm sure it's really fun playing in the MLB. I, I have no idea, but I would assume that it's probably a great time. But when you're just playing to play with your buddies, that's probably as good as it gets. And this off season, I really like have tried to make it a a priority to go out there and see like you know my mom's friends kids play or you know family friends kids play to where you see the enjoyment that they get out of the game not because that they're going to get five thousand dollars after but because they love the fact that they just got a base hit and i think that seeing that in their eyes is really helpful to me because it makes me remember why i started playing it why i you know enjoyed it as a kid and i think that now if I take that, that view of baseball into this next season, I feel like it might pay dividends because I'll be viewing it in a different way.
0: That's always really inspiring for somebody, and it's cool what that could potentially do for that person who's just starting up and wants some inspiration. You know, they could be the next big thing, too. And... I
2: have a great story about that, actually. You know, the whole, uh, you know, seeing somebody at a young age who's, you know, in that position. My really good friend, her uncle. Was a or uh, was a pitcher for the Padres and among other teams, Astros. As a World Series with the Astros, anyway, came into our fifth grade class to uh, talk about you know being an MLB baseball player for some sort of you know thing that the school was doing. And uh, I went up into him and I talked to him and I was you know obviously starstruck because it was the first time I'd really met an MLB baseball player and and he talked to me and and you know. Just gave me some advice about baseball and whatnot we had a you know family friend or i had a friend connection so it wasn't like he was a complete stranger um but ended up finding out later that his agent was my dad's agent when he played so another weird connection there then i don't know if you remember from earlier but my agent that i ended up signing was that agent that signed my dad and luke sorry I definitely should be saying his name right now. His name's Luke Gregerson. Shout out to Luke. Wait, is that your agent? No, that sorry. Luke Gregerson is the MLB player. Agent uh, Tom okay. O'Connell. Tom O'Connell. Tom O'Connell. Agent of a lot of Orlando baseball players.
0: So, what's it like having an agent? You know, <laughs> yeah. What, what what's that kind of what does it entail? Like?
2: Yeah, yeah. What it just what does that kind of bring? A lot to? of golf. <laughs>
0: is that kind of where Which you is started? Big. Is that where you started playing golf? Yes. <gasps> really, he yeah.
2: got. Yeah, wait, definitely, definitely, because the way that you get out there and meet all of his other, you know, clients is by going out there and playing golf with them. So, you know, as a young kid, I'm like, OK, I want to meet these MLB players and, you know, guys that are coming up in the organization, learn from them best I can. And uh, are you good at golf? I have definitely gotten better. I would not say that I'm good. I'm probably like a tw- fifteen to twenty handicap, you know, shooting under ninety is a good day. That's the goal. Shooting under ninety. But I'm definitely, you know, working towards getting better. Definitely.
0: That's better than me. <laughs> As I was saying I think-
2: the golf. So I want to go out there. So obviously I want to get better. And uh, he's he's a big golfer my agent and he comes and plays with all the pitchers around here. And so we ended up playing with Luke and he asked me if I wanted to play and I've not played golf in forever. And I went out there and we played around us three and I just hit the ball. They were they were the ones that were really playing. It was only my first time and uh after i was like hey like i don't know if you remember this but like you 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 met me when i was in fifth grade and he's like he's like what and he's like yeah i'm like you remember coming into like this classroom and, and talking to us and i was like and he was like oh my god yes and i was like yeah so yeah i, I just you know we obviously introduced to who i was and what i was doing he was like oh like giving me tons of advice about golf baseball whatever and he was like so like do you need a throwing partner for this offseason and I was like, "Yeah, like that'd be awesome." And he's like, "All right, sweet. Like, let's let's throw." So me and him threw for the whole entire off season that year.
0: Your agent or Wait, who?
2: Like, sorry, Luke. 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 Is, Luke, okay. is the, uh, Luke. Luke is the former MLB player. Played yeah. with the Astros. He was uh, with the Cardinals when he uh, when we started throwing, and then he was a free agent, and he was you know trying to make a comeback. So he helped me a lot in my first year of becoming a pro. Um, and you know come to play a lot of golf since then because of all that because now I'm playing with other guys that are you know sticking around trying to meet meet more people I think something that is super important not only in baseball but in life is networking you know and I feel like you know something that's really helped me throughout my career not only in baseball but in life has been the amount of network that I've had through friends I feel like that I try to be friendly with almost everyone I meet so that I can network and I think that it goes a long way, not only in baseball, meeting new people and, and gaining their knowledge and experiences, but in in all walks of life. You know, just really trying to be friendly to all to to build those relationships. You know, that in the in the long run could you know reap a lot of fruit. So.
0: Ruby, you got any uh, other hobbies
2: do you do anything else for fun dude like, that was who?
1: gonna be my other question because was talking about time and that like you don't want to like video games that much yeah. like is there anything that you've like, picked up or that like you've
2: been doing what's also? your most fun thing to do First, most fun I-, I love watching movies i'd say watching movies is probably the biggest thing that i do which may not seem like it's super productive but you actually would be surprised how much you can learn from watching movies like movies over shows or you watch like shows I've definitely watched shows. I've watched a lot of Netflix shows, a lot of, a lot of shows on other uh, streaming platforms, but I would say that movies are probably my number one uh, go-to. Um, I also have just started, I think because of the whole love of movies, I, I grew up, I, I read a lot of books in, uh, in elementary school and middle school, and I w- strayed away from it maybe my junior and sophomore year, because as you know, everybody does, everyone kind of just thinks that reading is stupid when you're in high school, but if you're listening to this, don't listen to that because that's a false narrative. Reading is by far the best thing you can do. Anybody that's successful can tell you that. That reading is is a vital part because it's really really helpful for the mind to just sit there and and focus on what you're consuming. And and I personally am a big fiction lover. I don't I don't read a ton of nonfiction. I, I like I like stories and and uh, I was a big Percy Jackson fan in middle school and, and Divergent, Maze Runner, you know those those types of books. Love those growing up. And then um, in high school I got more into like. You know, they make you read Great Gatsby, which is a great book. And then um, I read this book called The Alchemist, which is a really, really good read. If anybody is uh, listening, uh, wants to find a great book short, really teaches you about, like, your dest. It's all about your destiny, what your purpose in life is, like, what, what you're working for. Um, really, really great book. Um, and then recently, I started to get into, like, uh, more... Um, more mythology type. I've started reading uh, Lord of the Rings, which is um, probably the biggest book series of all time. I know it's the most sold copies, other than the Bible, which is kind of crazy. But I finished The Hobbit, um, my first week, or uh, or my first month, uh, back from from camp this year, and then I'm reading uh, the Fellowship of the Ring right now, which is a absolutely amazing uh, book so far. Love it. Um, obviously, I've seen the movies countless times. One of my favorites. Um, big Lord of the Rings fan. Definitely, definitely, uh, into, um, watching movies. And the question was hobbies. So I got kind of got off into a tangent about Lord of the Rings here. <laughs> Think any other hobbies? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, definitely watching movies and reading have definitely become, um, I was really into ping pong for a long time in high school. And I was like convinced that I wanted to like try to do something with that. I don't know why, but I was convinced that I was going to do something with ping pong anyway. Um. Are you really good at ping pong? I, I you probably would me? beat everybody in this apartment. <laughs> no. You what about CJ? Nice. Is CJ good?
0: Yeah. yeah, I'm really good at How ping pong. How good at ping pong? Pretty good at
2: ping pong. If you played, like, a group of friends, would you beat every friend most of the time? Like, is there a rare occurrence that you meet somebody that is better than you at ping pong? Cause that's how it is for me. I've only met like two people that have I beaten me at ping pong before. Like people will come Dude, up to these me. these are like,
0: fighting. I have, fighting
2: me. I have no, you know. no, I know, no. Ping pong is serious. So the thing, the thing for me is like I probably wouldn't beat you with like crappy paddles. Like I'd have to have my paddle from home, or get a new one. But Actually, see, I don't have it anymore because I last year uh, went to the Dominican Republic, which was an absolutely crazy experience for that uh, Red Sox. You brought your paddle. I brought my paddle. <laughs> I bring my paddle every. I brought my paddle everywhere for a long time because there would be occurrences like what we're happening right here where somebody claims that they're good at ping pong and I'm like, mm, I brought my paddle. You want to play? Like, I've met other people who have done that and they whooped my ass, you know, like that happens. But usually, usually what happens is I whoop their ass.
0: So, uh you said that you were in the Dominican Republic. Yeah. How was that? What was that like?
2: Yeah. So actually like when you when you think about it like it's probably what you think about it's like shacks and like like people just you know like running down the side of the road, there's just no stop signs like no no street lights uh it's it's crazy. places like that still exists and and you realize that you know these kids that come and play with you you're like, why wow, does he not know the customs like they just didn't grow up with any of the foundations we don't know, so I mean really beneficial for me because I think it you know. Made me realize you know where these kids were coming from, and I think it, it gave me a lot better understanding of uh of of you know the, the things that they went through to get where they're at so that was probably like a really good like team bonding thing too oh, yeah. like you so obviously the the six of us guys that went down there um bonded a lot because we were the only guys you know, but at the same time, you meet all these latino guys that are young, and i mean not only are they exceptionally good at baseball but they are you know, fifteen and sixteen years old. I mean, hopefully eventually one day, you know, they're contributing with you on the Sox because you're they're they're your teammates too, you know. So that was really, really great part as well.
0: Um, going back to kind of what we were talking about earlier, you were saying that you grew up a Red Sox fan and everything like that. Kinda of go into that and like you know what you were thinking when the Red Sox drafted you yeah. and everything, just kind of how that played out because we were talking about this last night, yeah. and it it almost just kind of seemed like it it was meant to be it was meant to be that you're just kind of like yeah. drafted by the Red sox yeah. you know
2: so um yeah like like Mitch said, my parents are from uh are from south portland maine um which is a a town in uh the southern uh eastern part of maine that's a pretty nice town anyway. Grew up Red Sox fans. Um, I was born in Orlando because that's where they were living after going to UCF. Uh, so I was not originally from the Northeast, but I grew up a Red Sox fan, having parents that were Red Sox fans. If if, if you are a Red Sox or a diehard, you know baseball fan, you know that like you kind of just are what your parents are if you're you know big into it. So first trip I ever took was um, my parents took me on a flight to Boston, and we went to Fenway when I was one years old. I have a picture of it. It's fire. Um, and then you know I've been to Fenway maybe four or five times after that, and uh ended up going to Tropicana, I'd say probably like five or six times you know to see them play, so I've definitely seen my fair share of Red Sox games um a couple little stories in there um one of the times that I went to uh Tropicana to see the Red Sox play, we stayed at the hotel called the Vinoy, which if you know the Tampa area is like really nice hotel it's where the players stay it's uh it's like right next to the stadium and we were staying there and uh the players had just come back from their game and we were coming back from the game as well and I was walking in and the bus pulled up right when I was walking in so I kind of just walked in next to all the MLB players all the Red Sox players and I look over and David Price is there and Dustin Bajora it was crazy because I'm just a fan at this point I think I was like 16 and uh I was just you know dumbfounded by all these MLB players and um. Then uh, later in the night, we're sitting down eating dinner and, and Chris Sale is over eating a pizza, you know, a couple of tables over and I'm, you know, pitcher myself, Red Sox fan, big, big Chris Sale fan at the time. Um, I walk over and uh, I obviously didn't want to impede on his dinner or anything. So I didn't want to walk over there and just be like, oh my gosh, I'm a Red Sox fan, whatever. So I waited until uh, he got up. You aren't really supposed to go up to these guys. You know, they probably wasn't the right thing to do, but i was a re- really big fan and i just really wanted to go up to him because we, we kind of had a connection so uh, i went up to chris and i was like hey chris um my name's blake Lubiere. like uh my my head baseball coach um from Oviedo. Uh, his name's jason foss he was your catcher at uh fgcu i don't know if you remember him at all but i just i know i played for the scorpions i know you played for them as well just want to introduce myself he's like oh man nice to meet you bro um and then a security guard came up and got me away from him. But, you know, lo and behold, two years later, I was uh down in Fort Myers, you know, playing rookie ball. And uh, Chris is from Fort Myers and, and he was, you know, having surgery and he comes up one day and I walk into the facility and, and he was sitting on the med table next to me. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is the same guy that I just, you know, walked up to as a fan and got taken by security. And now we're sitting in the same room getting our arms. That's crazy, man. And, um, so yeah, that was a, that was a really cool experience that I had, you know, kind of right away was, was meeting Chris. Um, and honestly that, that, that first time was kind of a a big one because it was the first time that I'd seen an MLB player that I was a fan of. And, and it kind of helped me out a lot now because, you know, I see him all the time during spring training. It was like, they were walking around all the time and you do realize that they are just, you know, guys just like us, you know, they, they weren't probably in college, you know hanging out, doing the same things that we are, you know, they're, they're all the same. So it's really, really nice to see that when you meet guys, because it makes you feel like you can be there one day, not that they're just some person that you watch on TV, and and, and not just some figment of your imagination. It's really nice knowing that they're just guys too. So I think that was a really big, really big, uh, really big thing I took away from the first couple uh, months of, of professional baseball was, you know, you want to be on that level, you know, act like you need to be on that level, you know, like they're not so far away from where you're at. So I thought that was a really, really uh, good message.
0: So you've just been like, you know, nonchalantly hanging out with Chris Sale.
2: <laughs> I wouldn't say we're, n- we're definitely not friends. He probably doesn't even know who I am anymore. So I don't want to make that seem as if we're friends or anything like that. He probably doesn't know who I am. But obviously, you know, you see the guys walking around. I remember the f- second day of spring training, uh, Big Poppy came in to the weight room and just walked by me. I did not say a word to him. I just stared kind of, I was like, wow, that's big poppy. Just walking right by me, like in the same room. And I've definitely talked to a fair share of guys that are older and, and, and you just like hear stories about, you know, the MLB guys and what they're like. And it's, it's really cool to, to hear the stories like about them doing, you know, the things that, that we all do, like just, you know, hanging out and, and just being bros.
0: Have you been talking to like a lot of the older minor leaguers yeah. around you?
2: Yeah. I would I'm I'm a big big believer in in learning from like watching others do what you need to do. So I think that like for example I, when we have to uh be ball boys or whatever for games in the big leagues side like it's really beneficial to like watch those guys do what they do because I mean you don't want to be you know cop you don't like to copy their their style or anything, but like obviously they got to where they are for a reason let's take notes of what it is that they're doing and and apply it to our own so I think that was something that I really learned also well, also you know just becoming friends with you know the older minor league guys is really good too because they've had the years of experience that I have and goes and and what your life's going to be like so that they they also are really really helpful in in terms of uh in terms of that
0: so who's like who's like your uh your throwing partner and everything right now.
2: So right now, um, his name is Zach Eflin. He's a, uh, a pitcher for the, for the Phillies this year. Um, he graduated from Haggerty high school, which is the rival of the high school. I went to Oviedo and he also has the same agent as I do Tom O'Connell. And, uh, he's a really, really, really good mentor. He's also an amazing golfer. He's a scratch golfer, probably the best golfer I've ever seen play before. So he also helps me in that respect as well. But, um, yeah, he, he, uh, six, five, you know, very similar build to me. Um, I, I, I've actually come to know him a lot better recently, just as in a, as a friend. And, uh, I really, really started to, to learn a lot from him, especially just on the mental side and, and the routine side of baseball and just being a professional. And, um, I mean, he's a, he's a really awesome guy and he's, he's probably probably poised to have a really big year this year so I'm really excited for him yeah he's gonna have, he's a really good young up-and-coming pitcher but
0: so what what level is he at right now
2: he's at he's an MLB he's an MLB, MLB. Player. really yeah, yeah. he's a, he's, a, he's in the in number the three starter for the for the Phillies wow yeah
0: I didn't even realize that yeah,
2: Zach
0: that's really cool yeah. shout out um for anybody who doesn't know tell them like what level you're at right now and you know what you're kind of expecting this season what you're uh, yeah. you know doing to prepare and stuff
2: yep so the first so the first year that I got drafted in 2019 um I got sent down to Fort Myers which is rookie ball for the Red Sox which is where all high school players go um I spent I spent 3 months down there playing which is uh it's a hard hard uh, hard place to play in uh July and August and September in uh in Fort Myers Florida it's 100 what whatever degrees outside waking up at six o'clock every morning they make it tough on purpose so that you want to get out of there and, and, and reach higher levels which is which is pretty smart on their part um so i was there first year and then this past year i was only in spring training when when we got let like, go due to covid um I was, I was hoping to be in greenville south carolina which is our is our low a team last year and uh this upcoming year they actually switched it around because we lost a. I don't know if you know, but they cut a lot of minor league baseball teams, and uh, one of one of the teams they cut was uh, the Lowell Spinners, which was our advanced low A or uh, advanced rookie ball team. I guess they're like a, a short season team, but they they got cut, so they they aren't a team anymore. Um, so, and they actually switched around uh, the low A and the high A team. So now Greenville is high A and Salem is low A, Salem, Virginia. So this upcoming year, my goal is to is to make to salem virginia and and play and play there for my first real season of baseball in a long time i might add which is kind of crazy to think about because of corona
0: so how long has it been since you played i have not
2: pitched in a competitive game since my last start for rookie ball in 2019 so august 2019 so a year and five months ish a year and a half since i've thrown in a competitive baseball
0: how hard are you trying to be? How hard are you trying to throw, Whew, man? Beginning of the season. <laughs> what what do you want the numbers to be?
2: Honestly, I've always thrown so much harder in game situations than practice situations, and I've only been pitching in practice situations for the past like you know year and a half. So, I was up to ninety four in instructional league for the first time with the Red Sox, um, and that was in a you know in a practice setting. So, I'm really excited to go out there and, and throw. In a in a game where you know I'm gonna have the adrenaline flowing and and have the pregame routine down and you know hopefully the hopefully the numbers are jumping.
0: All right, so I want to talk. I don't want to talk too much about the uh, like you know movies or whatever, but I I do want to I do want to talk about one more thing though. Okay. So you're a giant Star Wars fan. Yep, huge Star Wars fan. So what is like? to anybody who has never seen star Wars out there, what is the main attraction? Why would you tell people to watch star Wars?
2: (sighs) Wow. Oh man. There's so much to love about star Wars. Like I love a lot of things that like probably get overlooked in star Wars. Like, well maybe not get overlooked, but like obviously the fans like have things that they like. You know, one thing that is awesome in star Wars is the, is the sound and the music, the scores on all of them are unbelievable. Um, Honestly, the the older ones are are the best, obviously. Everyone everyone agrees. And it's just like if you realize when those movies were made and you look at what they look like, like they still stand like the test of time, like. You can watch Star Wars right now and it's very hard to pick out something that like doesn't look right from being so old. You know, like there's a lot of movies we can watch and it's like, "Oh my gosh, like that's pretty bad. That that's that's not great." Star Wars isn't really like that, like They use techniques that are still used today to film, which is incredible to think about being 1976 when the first one came out.
0: My only problem with Star Wars is, especially like in the Mandalorian um, series, there's a lot of like filler episodes, you know, there's a lot of just kind of like wasting time. Innocent, not wasting time because it was still like kind of cool. But but
2: I do agree with you. If I was a film critic and I was not, you know, in love with Star Wars nostalgia, I probably wouldn't love Mandalorian as much as I do. But I do think it's a good show.
1: Are you one of those people that when you see, you know, something in the Mandalorian, I
2: will, I will freak out. Yeah. <laughs> if I like, for example, like I don't know if you guys remember, but in this, I mean, you guys are gonna know exactly what I'm talking about because it was at least all over my TikTok feed, but. In the episode where they're flying the Slave One, and uh, they're trying to escape from the Tie Fighters, and he drops the uh, the bomb out of the back, and it makes that noise. Boom! <laughs> it's like a really nostalgic Star Wars sound that like is loved by all so Star Wars fans. So yeah, so it, it, I say, swear. Oh. oh here, I'll find it, I'll find the TikTok for it because everyone is on the same page for that. Which is for, so funny. For
0: everybody that is I
1: guess a Star Wars fan, hopefully.
2: They definitely know what I'm talking about because my brother would they be like, you know, they, they, would, they, would, they would I I really I, I, I promise you that as soon as I said the word slave one in Mandalorian, they knew that I was talking about <laughs> the sound that the bomb makes. Because that's that's why Star Wars is so addictive for people, is that like there's such small specific things that people love. Like, for example, like the chessboard that they have on the Millennium Falcon is like some weird game, like People just love that. Like, I don't know why people, people love, love it, it, so it so much. much. They've yeah. got it I figured know. out. Like,
1: Dude,
0: it's Pretty it's deep, deep, sorry. No, that, that's, good. that's like, good. You'd be a really good uh, movie critic. critic. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> I'm just yeah. going to go to you whenever I need you to, like, analyze a movie for me. Yeah, today. I
2: love – my favorite thing to do ever is to go to the movies with somebody and, like, sit outside of the movie theater and talk about the movie. So I swear it's, it's my favorite thing. I have a friend. His name's Gavin equally as obsessed with these type of movie things as i am he loves you know uh star wars and and whatnot anyway we went and saw interstellar in the theater uh Um, during during quarantine quarantine. banger they had five dollar movies at the theater and it was old movies so it was like interstellar and and you know inception and and you know a bunch of great christopher nolan movies and um and we went and saw he'd never seen interstellar i'd seen it many of times it's like probably one of my top five movies all time but um i saw it in theaters and i had never seen it in theaters before and i forgot how nice it is to see a movie in the theater when you get the whole sound experience and the in the giant screen and i sat there and i didn't watch the movie as much as i listened to the music in the movie which was crazy.
1: crazy felt the vibration i was
2: inside of the theater thinking like this i could sit here and just listen to like an orchestra play this music and like i would be just as happy like i didn't really need the movie itself obviously the movie was amazing and i learned a lot from it that time being that i was you know seeing it in theaters and it was kind of all my attention was devoted to it you know really really good movie interstellar you know kind of teaches you like exploration not giving up on dreams kind of problem solving you know really big problem solving movie um i don't know i don't know if you know but christopher nolan when he made that movie was like in constant contact with nasa and all of the head um head uh theorist uh head astrology or no what would you even call these people head Head, head, theorists astrophysicists thank you head astrophysicists yeah no thank you thank you thank you had astrophysicists, so he actually worked with them. So most of the most of the um, like theory in how they got to going like to another planet is is pretty real stuff. Like maybe not necessarily proven, but at least what a lot, a lot of lot people of, like, think. think scientifically. Yeah, like, yeah it's, it's pretty sound what they talk about in the movie of like where we could be. It's like what we're trying to be in terms. Of...
0: So wait, Blake, you um. You've got like shoe game and everything. You have a pair of Yeezys, you have everything. Like, let's go through your your wardrobe. What do you what are you rocking right now actually? <laughs> Describe to the people like your just you your bag that would, you brought. Are you a hype beast?
2: <laughs> you know what's funny is my 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 nickname that my friend called me in in high school was hype beast Luby because I just started to become like a hype beast and I definitely was a hype beast as a senior like I was all about all the hype beast stuff. I would definitely say I'm not a hype beast anymore, per se. I don't know. I definitely, actually, you know what? I definitely still am. I follow the account called Hype Beast. Do you follow them? It's like it's like, it's, a, it's, it's, it's like a on th- Instagram. It's a yeah.
0: I followed them for a while, okay, and okay. then uh, I probably unfollowed them like right when I got to college. I I realized that I just like didn't want to be a hype beast. But go through, go through, go through the drip that you're wearing right now.
2: So I got on this Nike, uh, it's not even a collab, it kind of looks like a collab, but it's just normal Nike brand called Peace Love Basketball. I got a a nice yellow hoodie and some black joggers from them, kind of like the oversized dress look, like baggy clothes, kind of the in thing right now, I kind of like it. It's really, it's like more comfort based, just kind of like feeling relaxed. Um, The thing that I love about fashion is like dressing for like, style but at the same time dressing for comfort and convenience like i've i've want to get your guys opinion on something actually in terms of fashion so i have to spend some money at gucci because i have like credit there and i've been thinking about getting like a like a man type bag like not necessarily like a man purse but like yeah it's like it's called like a cross body bag it's like a across the Across the chest, and then it has like a yeah. So that's about as hype (laughs) as it gets. But at the same time, I am the most forgetful person, and I lose my stuff all the time. And I think that for me, it'd be really beneficial to just have that and just put my phone and wallet in there, and then just never have to like just always carry that and not have to have anything in my pockets where they can fall out. Yeah, it's like a fanny pack, but like it's like a fanny pack. I mean,
1: people wear like fanny packs like that too. That's also like a thing. No, I
2: know people do it. It's just like. That's kind of hype beastish. Okay. So
0: wait, let, let's back up really fast because how did you acquire credit at Gucci? Like how can I? How can I? <laughs> I, I, I
2: had a pair of glasses that I. It's actually the first purchase I made when I when I signed. I went to the Gucci store and I bought these glasses because I thought they were so cool, and uh, I was wearing them. And the the inside like plastic part that you know that go on your nose, the nose pieces, they came off, and I was like, okay, I'm not gonna pay you know this much money for glasses and just then break in the first year. So I took them, and I was like, hey, like, can you fix these? They're like, oh, you know, it, it takes a long time. I was like, okay, I, I don't care. Like, I just get other glasses for now. And then she, the person texted me, and they're like, hey, like, we can get them fixed, or you can just take credit for them in store. And I was like, yeah, I'm just going to take the credit because I don't really want to wait 8 to 10 weeks for new glasses. So I got, like, 550 bucks or something, something to spend, to spend at, Gucci. at Gucci. So you don't want to get glasses, though, anymore? I, I, don't, I don't really need the glasses. glasses. I like my Oakleys. Yeah, Oakleys. The Oakley Just
0: Texas
1: get
2: some like Ray-Bans. Yeah, I was yeah, I was I, just gonna get some, some cheap beach glasses. Uh, I I peeped it. Didn't like I, didn't like, I didn't like like you know. Yeah. So I was in Colorado and I was on vacation there and I was hanging out in this, this girl's. This is like recently. This is like a month ago. Yeah. Yeah. A month ago. And I was like, uh, I was like, uh, we we're chilling, we we're sitting there, and she's like, "Hey, like, can I paint your nails?" And I was like, like, just so random. And I was like, "Why would, why would I let you paint my nails?" She's like, "Why not? Like, who cares?" I was like, "Yeah, like, you're right. Who why? Who <laughs> fucking like, who cares? You know, like, why does it matter what if my nails are painted?" You... Exactly. Why? I don't care if anybody else doesn't like my nails. So I did it kind of in spite of that, just because I wanted to prove to myself that I didn't care, and I think that's why I've I've kind of, you know, felt a lot better recently about things. Is like I'm kind of not worried about all the things that I used to be worried about, and kind of just like living my life kind of how I want to, and not really with the you know mentality of thinking about judgment that other people are laying down on me. Like, I went and played golf in one of this golf in this golf tournament, and and one of the guys is like you know, dude, why are your nails painted? And I was like, I don't know, dude. Like, it's a cool style. And he was like, well, that's fucking stupid. And I was like, it's like, it's grew like, it's like, it's like, okay. Like I, you telling me that does nothing. Like, what's the point? Like it does not affect you at all if my nails are painted. So why does it matter? You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I don't know.
1: To say about yeah.
2: It. No, but kind of going into that. Uh, I know that we've kind
0: of talked about this, but how have, how has it been dealing with kind of like, you know, anxiety and everything going through, if you want to go into it, you can't, like going through the minor league process, kind of getting drafted and everything. Was that like a big change? or? <laughs>
2: yeah, it's really, it's a lot. Yeah, I think that something that should definitely be taken into consideration when somebody is making the decision between, you know, pro ball and college is, are you ready for that? on a maturity level because like I talked about earlier with baseball being a job, baseball becomes your job at that point And it's like a lot more pressure falls upon you than you'd really realize. And your whole life kind of changes. And it's a lot for, for a 19 year old, 18 year old kid to be in that situation. And I definitely struggled a lot in the beginning dealing with all of that. And, uh, and I think that like quarantine was, you know not a great help of you know creating a lot of uncertainties and whatnot and and uh I just wasn't in a great place mentally thinking about baseball and and what what was going on and I think that quarantine created this this situation where I could kind of take a step back and be like whoa like like I said baseball isn't you know the end of the world you know like really really good quote I saw from Charlie Morton uh I'm not going to quote it directly because I don't know it but they were talking to him about pitching before game seven and I was thinking about if I was in that situation like what I would be thinking about right now if I was in like about a pitch of game seven for the Rays and they asked him and they said you know like you've been so good in these situations like how do you how do you do that like what what is it like what edge do you go out there with that you're thinking about and he's like honestly like I don't I treat it not only as every other game but with a mentality of the worst case scenario that can happen if I go out there and pitch is that I pitch bad. And you know what? We lose. And then I go home tomorrow and I'm with my family and we're shooting guns at the range. And it's like, yeah, that dude's a multimillionaire. He really does. I mean, he obviously cares. He wants to win the game, right? But like, in his mind, deep down, it's like, worst case scenario, I'm still here living an amazing life. like. It's it's not everything. It's not Something baseball. Baseball is not everything. It's a game that's played for fun. And it, it it is a job. And it obviously is beneficial to be good at it. But to be good at it, you have to believe that it's not everything. Because when baseball becomes everything is when you press way too hard and you will fail every time. Because you will put way too much pressure on yourself and you will instantly turn and, and fold. And then and, you have nothing. And then, and And then you have nothing. And then baseball was everything. When baseball is everything, when you don't have it, you have nothing. Whereas I've kind of taken this as like, baseball's like the third or fourth thing for me. That's like, like, it's like God, family, friends, baseball, you know, like obviously baseball is important to me, but like, I got a lot of other things that are way more important to my life as, you know, being a happy person i guess you know happiness is the goal right you know you want to live a happy life like my happiness stems from baseball but it stems from a lot of other way more important things first yeah especially because it's not as permanent exactly i'm like yeah, gonna be yeah. here until i'm 40 hopefully
0: and kind of just going off what we we're talking about like right before but you know doing things to kind of show who you are as yourself have you have you found yourself kind of a little bit more happy too oh my
2: gosh yes i've that's such a good point because I think you know it really. I'm not gonna say it's all about fashion, but like you know, fashion is a great way for me personally. I think that's why I've come to like it so much to express myself in a way. Like, I've always kind of felt like I've been like, like shielded in terms of like my real interests and in hobbies. Like, like in high school, I'm not gonna go up and you know talk to my friends about Star Wars, Clone Wars, and you know building Legos and stuff. Whereas now it's like that's what makes me, me, I love talking about it, and especially in terms of fashion, like, I love, like, showing myself through that, so, you know, I'll wear a Star Wars shirt, or, like, um, uh, I love, I love, I love this, this Nike uh, sweatshirt that I have, because it's just, like, about peace, and and basketball, and just, like, having a good time, and, I don't know, just a lot of, a lot of stuff that I wear is, like, a lot of stories behind, like, why you know like i i have this zelda shirt that i love and like i just a lot of stuff comes from places where it just like means a lot to you and i love like expressing like myself through fashion especially what percent
0: of you know the money that you've made so far have you uh, spent on
2: fashion <laughs> too, too, much. too much yeah way too much but
1: it's kind of like an investment right can, like,
2: yeah, I mean, I, I, te- I, I tend to buy things that are, like, kind of... That will kinda, little, kind of... Rare. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I tend to try to make a little bit smarter investments in terms of the clothing and shoes that I buy. Like, I try to buy stuff that... Not that it really matters how much it's worth, but, like, if there did come a time where I needed to just sell off all of the things that I own.
0: Yeah, <laughs> no, I, uh, I recently got kind of into the stock market, like, in, yeah. in the fall, and you were way ahead of me <laughs> on that. And yeah. yeah, you you said that you've you've been in it too. I obviously you don't need to like go into that, but
2: yeah. what's well, kinda like, you know, the I biggest thing with that? Just like just like learning it like at a young age is super important. Like right now, like oh, kids that people that are our age, you know, I think it's not super important like really be diving into investing and whatnot, but just having a like a really good basic general understanding of it at this age is like super important because the skills that are in it are like really beneficial for a lot of things in life and i mean the the earlier you get started in investing the absolute you know you're gonna have way better outcomes you know um i think i kind of got blessed in that way because i kind of had a situation where i had you know money at a young age to where i can invest at a young age and also a lot of people who are like on my side and you know giving me great advice like my agent hooked me up with an awesome financial advisor that that i can go to for all tor- all sorts of questions and he helps me with investing and i think that i learned a lot from them you know kind of earlier than most people because i was kind of in this situation of being an adult and like paying for my own bills you know a lot earlier than a lot of people
1: the biggest mistake athletes make.
2: Like, like, they buy expensive brand new cars <laughs> or they spend money that they don't have yet. Yeah. I don't know. I, I think that people are a lot better off right now than they ever have been. Like it's so easy to have financial advisors that people are way smarter with their money. Cause honestly no athlete really does anything themselves with their money. Like other people are taking care of it because their job is to go out there and, and throw strikes or hit bombs. It's not to go and invest money in. Yeah. Yeah.
0: It's crazy how you have like a
2: whole team. Behind you. Yeah. yeah. And, the team and the team only gets bigger as you get better. <laughs> yeah. It's like right now it's at its smallest and it just grows as you get more and more famous. Yeah.
0: yeah. All right. Well, we dove into kind of the concluding question at the beginning. Um, but, you know, I'd like to, you know, kind of make it a tradition to have this as the concluding question of the podcast. But what does being ahead of the count mean to you?
2: Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Is that really. That's the final question. The final question? Uh, so I, so I, I, asked, I asked the final question the first. Right off the bat. That's funny. But what I does being ahead in the count mean to me? That. Like I said, I mean, it's just it's setting yourself up for future success. Because being ahead in the count, you haven't made that strikeout pitch yet. It's not over. You haven't, you haven't, you haven't struck the batter out. He's not, he's not walking back to the guy. He's still there. He still has a chance. And I think that being ahead in the count by setting yourself up with you know going to school or or, you know just you know gaining a bunch of knowledge about what it is you want to get into is like super important. And I think for me, just like grinding really really hard at what it is that you want to do for like, I mean, but that's the thing is is it's different for every single person. It's like for me, what is being ahead in count me? It means going out and working out every single day, throwing every single every single possible chance I need to, you know, that's what being in the head account for me because that is what's going to set me up for most future successes. Most future successes. And I think that depending on what situation you're in, it can be completely different, you know, whether you want to be a doctor, you know, you know, being in the count might mean, "Hey, I I you know, volunteer at this at this uh hospital for, you know, the summer or whatever." And I think that a lot of people know that there are opportunities out there to better themselves and they're like, Oh, you know I I they they give excuses for why that it didn't happen. Most of the time if you wanna make something happen that's you-
0: Blake, it was a pleasure. Yeah, appreciate it. Mike. Appreciate um, you uh being episode one. Yeah. yeah. It was uh it was awesome. Yeah. Great Good talking, covered a lot of you have
1: ground.
2: To covered a lot
0: of ground. We'll we'll have to uh, catch up, you know, mid season or yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah. And, I feel like
2: after uh, the season would be a great time too, like with my first experiences and stuff.
0: Yeah, definitely. We'll, we we want to have you on as much as possible. Sounds so good. sounds good. Yeah, um, you know, shout out your uh, social media yeah. for everybody that wants to follow you. Uh,
2: Blake underscore Luby on Instagram, and then my Twitter is uh it's just Blake Lubier at Blake Lubier.
0: All right, and I'll have that you know on the tag and everything too. But yeah. Thanks again. Appreciate uh, all right, everyone. We appreciate, you know, you guys listening. Hopefully we will have visuals soon, but
1: uh, let us know what you guys thought. Like,
0: subscribe, all that jazz. Uh, see you next time.